Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and the final verse, the verse number 21, 1 John chapter 5, and verse 21, for the preaching of God's word as we finish this expository series in the book of 1 John. What a blessing. God's word is to our lives. The Bible says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious blood. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made on Calvary's cross to redeem us, to restore us, to revive us to put us in a place where we can be accepted in your sight. Lord, without your precious work, we would be doomed. But we thank you, dear Lord, for demonstrating such sacrificial love towards us and to giving us the opportunity to have eternal life. I pray tonight as we look into your word once again that you would use it to challenge and strengthen our hearts to help us to be more like you. Thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray that we would follow its direction so that we can see your will fulfilled in our lives and all the blessings that come along with doing that. Take full control. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Cleanse me of sin and to me of sorrow. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory that to do your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. This week, I was going about my daily business and ran into a gentleman and we had a conversation. And as the conversation continued, I could tell that the gentleman was genuinely concerned about the state of our world. From the global issues affecting what we would refer to as the superpowers of the world, the nations, to the problems that exist in the home and society and government and everything in between. And we had an extended conversation about why the world is where it is and the direction in which it is headed and all of the different ways in which this chaotic world has manifested itself. And at the end of the conversation, we left challenged to stay vigilant and to do all that can be done to counteract, if you will, the current trend of depravity and all that's happening in our world, which really is headed downhill, so to speak. I would say that there was wrapped in this conversation for both of us a genuine concern 
about sin. The effects of sin. Sin destroys. Sin defeats. And this concern regarding sin is something that we have been examining here in the book of 1 John for quite some time. And I would submit to you that concern for sin ought to be a character trait, if you will, of every child of God. It is what we have been saved from. It is what we can still see the effects of, not only in this world, but in our own lives. And as believers, as children of God, we should be able to see the damaging effects of sin even more clearly than those who don't name the name of Christ. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, we have seen what I would call a number of proofs of salvation. Proofs, evidences. You see, my friend, it is so vitally important that we understand that we are here as ambassadors for Christ. And if we are ambassadors, we should be able to be identified by the world that, hey, there is a person who is a representative of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It means then that that we must have some characteristics, some traits, spiritually speaking, if you will, that would help us to be identified as such. Let the church say amen. And one of these very important character traits, as I've mentioned, is having a genuine and healthy concern about sin. In the latter verses here in 1 John chapter 5, we notice in verse number 16 onwards to the end of this chapter, John gives here some clarity regarding the fact that every believer should be concerned about sin. We saw in verse number 16 the aspect of accountability. That sin not only affects us individually, but the sin that we allow in our lives affects those around us. And so accountability itself is necessary because when sin occurs, we're not only the ones affected, but others around us affect it. When others are involved in sin, it affects us. And so it means then as a body of believers, as, as saints of God who are working together to build the kingdom, there must be a sense of accountability as such. John says, if any man see his brother's sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask. He's saying there must be a, 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 a desire to, to, to be concerned enough to be involved, to ask a question. Why? Because he's underscoring the importance of accountability as it relates to the concern for sin. But we also see the aspect of awareness. Throughout these verses, we see that word being repeated. No. We know that whosoever is born of God. 
We know that we are of God. We know that the Son of God is come. We know that we may know him that is true. Why? John is pointing out that the reason why concern for sin ought to be so much at the forefront of our mind is because our consciousness, spiritually speaking, ought to have been awakened to be aware of some things. Amen? This awareness, this heightened state of understanding because we understand spiritually what a person who does not have the Holy Spirit does not understand, even more so, we ought to have concern regarding sin. We have been saved from sin. We see others who are being destroyed by sin. We are aware of what Jesus did on the cross and sacrificing himself for us. We are just aware. And so he speaks to the matter of awareness. But tonight I want us to see the final aspect regarding concern for sin in verse number 21. You see, when there is accountability, when there is awareness, these two factors are to produce in us an aspiration. I simply mean that when you become knowledgeable, when you become accountable, it ought to produce in us a desire to stay away from sin. Amen? It, it ought to produce in us not just a desire, but it ought to result in some action because it has been birthed from our concern. So let's look at this verse here tonight. Very short and seemingly simple verse, but it is packed with much spiritual truth. I want you to notice as we think about aspiration, meaning the fact that I know some things, the fact that I'm accountable, the fact that I understand that sin is so destructive, it ought to give me some fire and some drive to do some things. And notice how John, who is a spiritual father, more than likely at the end of his life, or close to the end of his life, as an elder, how he refers to those to whom he is writing this epistle. He says, little children. You know what I see here in John? A concerned parent. A concerned parent. You can hear the concern in his voice as he, he speaks to these spiritual children. He's not insulting them. He's not speaking down to them. Hey, you little child. No. He's speaking to them as a, as a concerned father. He's saying to them, understand, I have a special relationship with you. I'm concerned about you. I love you. I want the best for you. And if we think about this in a biological context I can tell from being a child of parents and also being a parent of children that no matter how old your children are parents still have concern for their children I could recall driving on the highways in the US and my dad and mama in the vehicle and of course, all of you would know that my dad taught us all to drive. And even though I've got my license for decades, 
he's in the passenger seat and I'm in the driver's seat and he's like, Wayne, are there somebody in your blind spot, you know? Or Wayne, are the, 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 the skies approaching pretty fast, you know? And my mom would have to say, Eric, he's been driving all the time when you weren't here. Why? Because parents still have concern regarding their children. Am I right, parents? What are you saying yes for? Is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> but parents have concern for their children. John here says, little children. He's saying it in an endearing way. He's saying it in a loving way. That I'm about to say some things to you that come from a heart of concern. And I'm telling you, I can identify with the Apostle John as a pastor, let me tell you, as a pastor speaking to members, not in any condescending way. Listen, you have a heart of concern that people would stay away from sin because it is destructive. It is damaging. And John approaches them and greets them. Here, I say greet, but it's at the end, but he refers to them as his as little children in a concerning way. But I want you to notice the next word that he mentions. He said little children, that's the concern as a parent, but he says keep. Keep. You know what this word keeps indicates? That there has to be a continuous process. Keep is a word that implies that you are going to do something consistently to, to maintain, to reserve, to hold. That's the understanding, the definition of this word keep. Meaning that it's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time process. When I go to the store, I go shopping with my wife, and she asks me to hold her purse or to keep her purse. What she means is don't put it down anywhere. If you're going to sit down in a chair, don't even put it down in the next chair next to you. Keep it. Hold it until I get back. Why? Because there's a concern about that purse. I'm amazed at how purses are like part of ladies' bodies. Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. I've, I've witnessed it. No, no, it's not because it's money. There's the whole kitchen sink in there. There's a whole lot of things in there that are not even pertaining to money. I mean, I would be in the car. I mean, you, you, you tell me how serious this thing is. I would be in the car. My wife goes into, is about to go into the store. The purse is on the Passenger seat, I'm in the driver's side, and my wife would tell me, I'm in the car, watch my purse. I'm like, wow, this thing is real serious. It means keep an eye on it. It's important. It's a continuous process. I got to keep my eyes on it until she gets back. So John says, keep. He's saying, I'm concerned about sin, and what I'm about to say to you is going to require that you engage in a continuous process. What am I saying? What is he about to say? He's about to say, listen, when it comes to sin, you can't just 
one time and be done. He's saying it's a continuous process. When it comes to sin, let me say something to all of us. Sin will continue to be a problem. Temptation will not stop. If you have a victory today, spiritually speaking, keep being watchful, keep being vigilant because the devil will not let up. The attacks are going to come tomorrow. Don't be complacent. Don't let your God down. So he uses this very simple but important word, keep. Why? Because our approach to sin to avoid the devastation and destruction that it causes requires a continuous process. That is why when it comes to strengthening yourself in the Lord, it requires faithfulness to the things of God. That is why the individuals who are able to stay afloat, spiritually speaking, are those who are consistently in the house of God. Consistently doing where the, what they ought to do, being where they ought to be. Why? Because the devil, he will not stop. So it's a continuous process. But notice the next word that he says that is so very important. It says, keep yourselves. You know what this indicates? That there has to be a conviction that is personal. You see, as much as John is concerned about his, his, his spiritual children, as much as John is concerned about what's going to happen to them by way of sin and all of the effects of sin, John is saying to them, you are going to have to do some things for yourself. So he says, keep yourselves. Because he's saying to them, there's some things that I can't do for you. And for every man, woman, boy, or girl who chooses to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, especially when it's done at a young age, let me tell you, there has to be a point in your life where you have made up your own mind that this is what I'm going to do and I'm not just doing it because my parents expect I'm not doing it because the pastor expects. I'm not doing it because the Sunday school teacher expects. I'm doing it because God wants me to do and that's what I am doing. It has to be a personal conviction. And let me tell you, you will get exposed eventually. If you're doing it for daddy, you're doing it for mommy, eventually, that motivation will dry up. Because there are going to be some times where you're going to be influenced by some people and some circumstances and some situations and events where there's not going to be any daddy and mommy to stop you, to force you, to insist it has to be a personal conviction. That whether mommy or daddy or whoever is there, I am going to be in church in the house of the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible. 
I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay away from sin. You see, here's, here's the ultimate thing that has to happen when it comes to this matter of concern for sin. You have to have your own concern for sin. You know why your concern has to be your own? Because when you are concerned about sin and that concern is your own concern, guess what? You will endeavor to stay away from it because you are concerned about it. You know why people, many people don't stay away from sin? They're not concerned. Somebody else is concerned, so they keep saying, stay away, stay away, stay away. But they're not concerned. But you're concerned, so you keep pulling. They're not concerned, that's why they're going in. You have to have your own personal, individual concern for sin. And when you do, you'll stay away from it. And concern leads to convictions. You see, if you are concerned about drowning, no one has to tell you, don't go into the water. And if you're going into the water and you're concerned about drowning, no one has to tell you, don't go out where your feet can't touch the ground. Why? Because you are concerned. So when you're concerned, you do what you need to do to help keep yourself safe. So John points out here, keep yourself. You know what that is? That's conviction. And that conviction has arisen from a concern for sin. But notice here finally what John says. He says, little children, keep yourselves ultimately from what? From idols. What, what, why, why does John mention here idols? Why is this significant as it relates to being concerned about sin? Because idols, you can jot this down, they compete for God's place. You see, idols take the place of Almighty God in our lives. If you think about it, we don't have images as much as probably they did back in those days. But can you identify potential idols in your life? Things that compete for time, attention, or focus. You know what's a major idol in our world today? These electronic devices we call phones. Where the phone is only a small function of what the device does. It's very easily becoming an idol because of how it competes for our time. You could also identify idols by examining where do we use our abilities? Where do we place our efforts? 
And you have to identify your own potential idols. I'm only giving some examples so you can see how you can identify them. But here's a potential idol that competes for our abilities, people's jobs. You know, for many people, their job is their God. You say, Pastor, that sounds harsh. Man, we got to work. If a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. God, no, that's in the word of God, is it? But, but when a job becomes an idol, that person has elevated the job above God. You know how people do that? And why I say that that happens? Whatever the job asks them to do, they are there. The job asks them to wear a particular type of clothing, they are there. The job asks them to be there at a particular time, they are there. The job asks them to be respectful, they are there. But how come it is when God asks them to do all those things? No, it's a big problem. It means that the job has elevated itself above God. Another area in which we can identify idols when we look at money. Treasure. You know, so many people make decisions and it's all about the money. It's all about the dollar. It becomes an idol because the idol is in control. It dictates what we do, how we do it, when we do it. And John is saying, keep yourselves from idols because idols dictate to us. Idols control. When God himself ought to be the one who is in control. I want you to, in closing, look at this passage in Matthew chapter 13. As Jesus explained the parable of the sower, notice what he mentions here about the ones to whom the seed had fell and it fell among thorns. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, notice, it says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. You see, anything that chokes away our attention, anything that takes the place of God, makes us unfruitful. And that unfruitfulness leads to sin taking hold. You see, John rightfully ended this epistle with this admonition because John understood that when God is absent, sin is present. 
Whenever God is forced out, you know what takes his place? Sin. And when God is present, sin is absent. So John says to them, as his final words in this letter, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Anything that would take the place of God, push it out. Because if you do that, you're going to have victory over sin. God is going to have his way. He's going to be in control. And that is why Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my what? heart, that I might not sin against God. You see, there's nothing wrong with our use of time, the use of our talent, the use of our treasure. As a matter of fact, God has given us these things and he has required that we are good stewards of them. We must work. We need to have money. We must utilize the time that God has given to us. But as it relates to control, who's in charge? God himself must be the Lord of our lives. Meaning, he's the one that calls the shots. And if you really think about it, if he's on the throne, there should be no other entity for which we can give our time, talent, and treasure that should supersede what we do for God. It just simply means that he is in charge. And when we place him in the rightful place in our hearts and lives, we would see the results of victory over sin. John closes this epistle as a concerned parent because he understood that sin is devastating. But he recognized he would soon be passed. And each and every person would have to have their own conviction about this matter of sin. When that conviction is strong, it will result in a desire, in an aspiration to love God, to hate sin, and to do everything that we can to stay away from it and to experience the blessing of Almighty God.